The Houston Cougar football team has signed one of the best offensive prospects in school history, but will he start? You are Locked On Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougs, daily podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Angel. Here to break down all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan or just a hater, can step by. Please be sure to subscribe down below. That way you can lay us in the Cougs in your news feed each and every day. We appreciate you making Locked On Cougs your first listen of the day. Welcome back to the YouTube channel. It is good to see you again. I remember we're giving something away every 250 subscribers, the next barrier of which is a thousand uh we are just at a again we're at like 885 as the recording of this i think we're approaching 900 uh we've kind of like steeped off since march madness and so make sure you subscribe so we get to that thousand give stuff away it's gonna be better the faster we get there and uh also want to make sure that you are liking and uh, commenting on the videos that we know you're entered in the contest whatever the giveaway is if after talking some football roster construction kind of stuff today um you are at a loss don't know what to say don't have anything to say tell us what color Otter Pop you grab out of the bag in the freezer? Now, I want to do a couple things here. One, I want to talk about a question I have lingering in my head about some offensive snap count, kind of who starts, who fills in the most plays, where spots. That's first segment. Second segment, I want to talk about uh, Connor Skek Leon, who picked up an offer from Houston, the transfer portal on uh, what was it, Wednesday, and um, kind of what that looks like in looking at offensive alignment inside transfer portal. And in the third segment, I've got a hypothesis about some wrongdoing. All right. So in the first segment, I said I want to talk some about offensive snap counts and stuff like that. And that is because in watching more and more that leaks out of spring practice, it seems very clear that Houston is going to run th- three wide receivers on the field for a lot of the time in 11 personnel. That's what Nigavi did at Tulane. That's what... Uh, they seem to be doing this spring, and frankly, it seems to be a system with an extra pass blocker on the field, potentially, definitely a max protect kind of situation, obviously, if, with that tight end there. Um, it also seems like the kind of thing where, theoretically, you could see um, kind of some versatility. We talked the other day about like how you can motion their big receiver, whether that's uh, Joe Manjack or uh, Josh, Co- uh, Josh, Cobbs, like Josh, Cribbs, Josh Cobbs into the backfield as kind of a bigger body. Those guys are both... 6'4", 6'5", and both 210-ish pounds, right? Um, And kind of get a double whammy out of that. But the thing that's been in my head since I've kind of like been putting this together is they've got a really talented wide receiver room and having 11 personnel only leaves space for three to be on the field. Now, admittedly, you know, some of these guys are young that I'm going to be talking about. And so maybe that is... Part of the problem there is I'm thinking getting everyone on the field all the time and they're thinking, well, we want to get the vets on, let the young guys learn or whatever. Um, And I think that's probably like a fair way to go about it. When you look at some of the young guys they brought in, like uh, Jonah Wilson is from Decaney. He's very, very talented, four-star prospect, et cetera, 6'2", 195. But... With Matthew Golden, Sam Brown, Man Jack, we just mentioned Cobb's transferred in, et cetera. It might be hard to find your way on. 
the field is a true freshman, right? Uh, same with Jerian Wallace from North Texas. Uh, I think he's a Denton kid, right? 6'3", 185, but they've got a couple big guy receiver for their big slot type position. And so what do you do <laughs> with that? Um, the interesting one will be Jacoby Banks, who's more of a small slot type guy and just been sticking out and being different. Well, he, you know, Forbin Marshall kid, 5'9", 175, got a lot of wiggle to him. Um, just by being different, he'd be like, well, we need someone to play that short slot guy. And he's kind of the only guy on the roster that fits that true mold, that mold, like in the most true aspect. But the kid we haven't mentioned and that I will be interested to see what happens with is Mikhail Harrison Pilot. Again, Mikhail Harrison, Pir- Mikhail Harrison Pilot, speaking too fast, is one of the highest offensive prospects to ever come through the modern in the modern recruit ranking era, the University of Houston. And so to see him, I believe I thought it was like fourth overall highest recruit to ever come. To, anyway, to see him, I guess, and technically listed as an athlete, not a receiver, so you could figure something else out for him. It's kind of feeling like the room might almost be too crowded, right? Because you're going to start Matthew Golden, and I think you start him on the single receiver side of your trip sets, right? I, I think that that's not, he's a, he's a natural double to eat. They force the double team in a lot of ways um, against most coverages and most corners. He also is a great double moves guy. He's, he's just a fantastic, he's a future pro pro wide receiver, right? And so I think that's where you got to start him as a sophomore next season. Um, I also think it's worth pointing out that it appears that they want someone big. We mentioned Joe Manjack a bunch, um, they want someone big to play their slot because the different things that they want the versatility to do with that guy makes sense. Nugavi is coming from a 21 personnel type group and we have more of an H back. Dana is more of a three wide out, four wide out kind of guy. So that's kind of an in-between spot. But when you have one of your four spots also taken up by a tight end, that means you only have one more spot on the field. And Sam Brown has done a lot to earn that spot. Um, admittedly he doesn't have like crazy crazy numbers because he was kind of farther down the depth chart last year with guys like tank Dell and whatever right um but he did in that crowded room last year put up 471 yards uh four touchdowns as well including a pair of them in both the navy and smu games i guess felt like else everyone scored the smu game but you catch my drift right um notable thing i found out in looking at his stats more specifically is every game he played and had a target in he did have a missed target, either overthrow, underthrow, broken up, drop, what have you, right? Um, I don't know that's necessarily a slight on him necessarily because, again, some of those were not, like, all his fault. But I also think that that's worth pointing out when we look at, like, where where does his growth this spring and next fall lead him in the depth chart? Because Harrison Pilot's got to be on the field somewhere. Bringing back Alton McCaskill probably means he's not going to fit back in at the running back spot. Lucas Coley's not as mobile as Donovan Smith, but they're both fairly mobile quarterbacks in the backfield. So I don't know that you need to put him in a wildcat type package either. Frankly, if you start Coley, you probably put Donovan Smith in as a wildcat package type guy at the very least bare minimum, right? We're still working on it, more insight on that. We got to see more stuff happen. All that is to say that Mikhail Harrison Pilot is too talented a kid to not have on the field. And suddenly it's like, does he start day one at all? Or how do you, how does Dana work with this? How does Nigavi work with this? How does the Houston offense function if one of their most talented kids is not on the field? And I know he's a freshman, but I'm telling you, if you watch his stuff at Temple, I know Temple is not Katie High School big time or whatever, right? It's not North Shore, but go watch the tape. The kid is like pure 
playmaker. When you put him in as a running quarterback, he's running people over. Um, if you put him out outside receiver, he's winning jump balls. If you put him in as a like a tailback, he's giving that extra shake on the outside zone to freeze defenders. He dropped a guy to a knee like it was a you know a crossover in basketball kind of thing. Uh, even at safety, he's bo- boxing guys out for deep jump balls in the as a defensive player. Like he does so many things instinctively that are just like ball player type plays, right? A great ball player that makes winning plays in opportune moments. And I think he's got to be on the field. And I wonder if, like my intuitive thought in the old offense, right? Pre-Nyagavi was probably as a slot. Um, however, it looks like those are going to be bigger guys. And he's six foot one, uh, what's he got list here? Six foot 190, right? And so it's not really him. Um, I don't think as a freshman, you want him on his own island side necessarily yet although if he turns into that guy oh man we're good for the best right um i think that's the matthew golden spot either way if he were to become the guy matthew golden just be the opposite guy i i just wonder if on day one right if in that first game against utsa we line up out there the first offensive series is michaela harrison pilot on the field and if not how quickly does he get there is he a starter by tcu is he a starter by UT Austin? Is he a starter by UCF at the end of the season? When does he fit into the starting lineup? Because I feel like, and you're going to tell me I'm wrong in this, like it doesn't matter, just like the targets and what that the other. I feel like it says a lot about Dana's faith in this very tremendous class they're bringing in if he's rolling out start, freshmen as starters. Because they really do have, at a lot of skill positions, very, very talented kids coming in to play Big 12 football on the Houston uh, 2023 class, right? And so it's going to be interesting to me to see where he goes with this. I, If I'm being optimistic, it'll happen relatively quickly, but there'll be so great an offense, so dynamic that they're all going to go in the field, everyone eats, right? If I'm being pessimistic, we're going to have egos flare with this thing. We saw Manjack and Sam Brown get into it some on the sideline last year, and I'm a guy that likes healthy competition, I don't think you got to get along. Like sometimes families fight, right? Like I'm not, I'm not that guy that says they have to get along and be happy go lucky all the time. But also if Sam Brown fought with Joe Manjack last year and they were fighting with guys like Matthew Golden and um, Tank Dell for reps of wide out, how do you think they're going to react when one of them is getting reps cut for a freshman? Right. I'm worried about what that looks like. I'm worried about how that goes. And that's something I'm definitely keeping an eye on. And that is Sam Brown, I guess, because Harrison Pilot's still in high school. How does the rest of the spring go for those guys? And um, is the kind of thing where any and every mistake quickly becomes, oh, we got this Harrison Pilot kid coming in. Oh, we got this Harrison Pilot kid. Like, very, very quickly. Now, that's not to say that's a, like, that's a good problem to have. Having too many guys is a decent problem to have. But it is a problem nonetheless. Um, speaking of problems, it's March Madness and Houston's not playing but one thing you can do to help ease that pain and solve that problem is go to FanDuel because FanDuel is America's number one sports book. Um, the tournament is heating up, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on today. Sign up to claim your no sweat first bet. They can wager on anything from money line to point spreads to which team you can on the net. All on the app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Now, I've been telling you guys to take Miami and FAU. 
in the final four games. Uh, they've got Miami as a five and a half point underdog and FAU as a one and a half point underdog. I think those are both silly. However, I've been saying that all week, so I'm going to change up what else I'm going to tell you now. I'm going to say that on the uh, parlay to score more than 15 points, right? Which guy's going to score more than 15 points? They got Wuga Poplar, Poplar. He doesn't play for Houston. I don't know his name that well, but at plus 290 to score 15 points. Um, when I look at the Miami basketball team, he's kind of that forgotten wing score for them because Isaiah Wong is so dynamic with the ball and Nigel Pack is such a great shooter that I could see a world where kind of like you think about like how Tremont Mark stepped up in the Auburn game around the 32. I see a world where you could have something similar happen where it's his turn to step up and he is a great athlete that attacks the basket with dynamic speed and explosiveness. I could see that kind of working out for him. So I'm going to tell you to go put something on that because that's at plus 290 to score 15 points. Um, and it's college basketball. People score 15 points kind of at random sometimes. Uh, I'm telling you to do it at FanDuel.com. So don't miss your shot at the No Sweat First Bet up to $1,000. We can join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. All right. So I did say also that um, I want to talk some about this offensive line offer that Houston threw out there because it was particularly unique. Um, but Carlos Gaglione is 6'5", 305. That part's not unique. That's a good size tackle. What is unique is that Houston offered this kid as a Princeton transfer. Now, Scaglione is a all Ivy League uh, type kid as far as his ath- uh, as far as his accolades go. Um, furthermore, as a starter for the last two seasons completely, or last two complete seasons for Princeton, uh, Princeton has had the number one passing offense and the number one total points offense in the Ivy League. So dynamic offense, and he is winning awards representing said offense. What I liked about the offer, and diving a little bit deeper on the kid, is he's a true three-sport athlete in high school, did basketball and track. Um, he was also an Eagle Scout, if you're into those kinds of things, you know, that plus his honor roll and all those kinds of things, probably got him into Princeton in the first place. But he also, on top of playing three sports, played both sides of the ball in high school, and also caught a number of footballs as a tight end his senior year of high school. He's a very, very good athlete for guys 6'5", 300 plus, right? That's important to me because I want guys that are light on the feet, move around well, even though there are bigger, stronger guys. Um, I thought it was interesting. He was nominated for Defensive Player of the Year in the little uh, his division of high school football and high school. Um, and like, honestly that feeds into my like, Ooh, this guy's maybe a better athlete than we realize, right. As far as being light on his feet goes. Um, I also think it's worth pointing out. It looks like he gained in the best kind of way. Cause it's a college weight program. He gained weight in high school. So he was probably like under recruited because he was a little bit smaller. And so now that he's like up to 300 plus like, Oh, he's like, Oh, I can maybe get into the big football game. Houston is as a big 12 school. Now the biggest program to have offered him as transfer portal, which I think means we've got a pretty good shot. But also, I saw people very quickly on the message boards going, oh, God, we've offered a guy from the Ivy League. Why won't anyone else offer him? What's wrong with us? Um, I'm I'm optimistic about this. I have trouble dissecting Ivy League tape because it looks like D1 tape. It also kind of doesn't look like D1 tape and back and forth. It's hard to evaluate his competition level. But I will say that there are things that make me happy to see him offered. I also say that um, (laughs) it looks like he wants to get into music production as a professional. have to say that Houston as a city is probably the best place for him to come do that. Now, 
He is not the only offense lineman in the transfer portal I'd like to see Houston offer. Um, Houston's got a number of offense linemen that they can go get. And one kid I'm intrigued by is Cardell Thomas. Now, Cardell Thomas is uh, transferring wherever he goes, I guess, from LSU. He's from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, big, strong LSU classic lineman. I mean, six, two and a half, three fifty. Big boy, right? Big, big, big guy, right? Um, he's an interior offensive lineman, so I think like a block down guard or a like straight line kickout guard. Um, nothing too too crazy. Um, but Houston did offer him out of high school. He's again a big, big, strong kid, and he clearly was not having a great time in Brian Kelly's LSU. Um, even though he got there in a little bit different LSU, right? And the uh, he got there right after they won the national championship game and. Uh, what was the guy? The anyway, he, he like it's not quite the experience he wanted, and so he's looking to transfer with a year of eligibility left, and to at least like kind of mend the way between Houston coming out of the WAC and heading into the Big Twelve. I kind of think that's the kind of guy they're going to be looking for. Is like these short term guys, so that way the recruits they have bringing it coming in will also get to play the latter half of their college careers that they have like time to get bigger, stronger, faster. Right. Also worth pointing out that like. Dana's got some sort of relationship with the kid. They've offered this kid a high school before. That was, you know, a, a relationship they built at that point. Um, and so I try to think of that as a positive for Houston, that he at least has those kinds of known factors. It's also, as far as schools that offered him at a high school, obviously going from Baton Rouge to LSU, especially because he went to the lab school, which means that they were like literally like student teachers from right like there on campus. But outside of LSU and I guess Louisiana Tech, is not that far, but it's not a big, tw- uh, not a power five school. Houston is the next closest power five school to home as far as who offered him at a high school, right? And so, if that and staying close to home is clearly important to him, if uh, if that continues to be important to him, I would think he gives Houston a little bit of an edge. Another kid um, that I want to see Houston offer for a second time is Tobias Braun. Now, if you think of shorter, stockier linemen in Cordell Thomas. Think about bigger, longer, leaner tackle with good body angles in Tobias Braun. Um, Tobias Braun is 6'7", 306, and I guess relative to the offensive lineman, 306 is almost like stretches out. It's kind of lean if you're looking at um, a true like 306 stretched out, right? Um, Houston offered him out of high school as well. Um, now, to be fair, Houston was, at the time, his like, lowest level offer at American Athletic Conference school. He got offered, he got offered by Arkansas, Arizona State, Florida State, and then committed to Ole Miss. He's in the portal from Ole Miss with a couple more years left of eligibility. I believe by my count, and I always show kind of COVID years, can't tell what school's websites counted as what. But if I'm counting COVID years, they count the COVID year. It looks like he's got two years left. Um, he, he might have three if I'm reading their website correctly. However, um, all of that to say, I think this is a big, strong kid with great lean. Um, and I I think he'd be intuitively a right tackle, but I guess I could get proven wrong there. Tobias Braun be a kid that I think they have to go get. The other guy I always like almost forget about because he transferred like last like July, whatever. That, anyway, was uh, Jalen Garth. We gotta remember we have him on the field too. So like theoretically, there's like guys coming in the transfer portal from other power five institutions ready to come play ball. Um, but man, if they offered Thomas, and, if they got Thomas and Braun, they got some real, real beef real, real fast, right? Uh, Scaglione's great. I don't mean to say he's not, but they got some real, real beef real, real fast. That'd be really, 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 
really nice. Now, in the third segment, I said I want to talk a little bit about some stuff that I'm hoping does not become dirty play, but in scanning transfer portal news, I saw a trend that has me worried. So let's talk about it for a little bit. Um, so one of the stories out of Houston this spring has been the amount of guys leaving Houston, right? Carson Walker was a, you know, he's from Midlothian, 6'4", 290-pound kid. Uh, I think he was 2021, so was that two years ago now? Um, big, strong offensive lineman coming out of high school, right? He hit the transfer portal after having not played much at all. Cameron Johnson is a guy that played a lot more, 6'4", about 300 pounds, um, was a three-star kid, class 2019, so been in Houston a while, but he hit the transfer portal. We did a whole episode opening with that one because that was kind of a shocker, right? And then a kid that hadn't played as much, but I think I'm tying to uh, Cameron Johnson because it seems like they're buddies and all things that are social media is Chase Todd, right? Chase Todd was class 2019 as well. They came in at the same time. Uh, I guess Chase Todd's from Crosby, Texas, but it looks like for social media that they're pretty close, right? I guess all teammates are close, but football teams specifically like have giant rosters and who you pick from your time with seems important to me. All those guys are in the portal. All those guys also have a notable uh, connection with Brandon Jones, the offensive line coach that was at Houston. Um, now, <laughs> admittedly, Houston went a different direction. Houston probably needed to go in some sort of a different direction after how like there were some struggles last year at the early part of the season and Houston's moving to the Big 12 and those kind of struggles won't fly so much in that conference because you're just going to eat alive in a Power 5 conference of that, right? Um, but Brandon Jones, for what it's worth, was a very good old line coach. I mean, his his resume in the American Athletic Conference was that he had several guys across his time at, at Houston named the all-conference teams. And he, he also recruited these guys. Now, I'm not saying they're dirty play like they're talking behind the scenes because I would never insinuate that without any evidence. So please don't take that as the headline here. But if I am one of these kids, either someone who played as much as Cameron Johnson or someone who didn't, and the guy that recruited me to Houston got the axe and went to an SEC program. I don't care if he calls me first or not. I call him first. I'm making that phone call real fast. Say, Hey coach, remember me, the guy you liked back then? Well, I, I think, do you still like me? Right. I, do you still want to take me to the dance kind of question? Because Missouri's in the spot where like, they're not a powerhouse in the SEC, but if you have aspirations to play in the NFL, your tape will be you playing against SEC kids. Right. So if you're Cameron Johnson or whomever, right. Uh, Cameron John's probably not fair because he he was playing decent amount, but like Carson Walker wasn't playing a whole lot at U of H, right? If you're Carson Walker and you're like, I need to get on the field somewhere, I need to get somewhere and perform quickly, I don't have a whole lot of time left in my college career. Oh, coaches at Mizzou now, but I think I figured that out, right? Like, like, is something happening there where guys that Brandon Jones had at Houston are in line to follow him to? a school like Missouri, right? Um, because he just landed there recently. And, oh boy, um, if if Houston's going to lose some off the line in Missouri, we got a problem. <laughs> um, now, admittedly, Missouri has a decent offensive line. They've got been recruiting the SEC for a while. They might not want a bunch of guys from Houston that transfer portal. And you can figure on Johnson in the back in Houston. He's going to go well in the transfer portal. I'm not saying it won't happen either. I am saying that that is worried, and that's not I'm keeping my uh, eye on, like I said, it was the same section at the start of the uh, episode. If 
you're keeping your eye on something else or think that I'm ludicrous for think, putting or putting my eyes where I'm putting them, you can find me at Painsworth512, P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H-512 on Twitter, Instagram, and all of your social media handles. I'll be happy to talk all things Cougs football, Cougs basketball. We have a special episode on Friday where we're going to talk to some people on campus about Cougs baseball, so make sure you tune into that if that is your jam. Um, all kinds of things, Houston Cougars, all year long, each and every day. So make sure you subscribe down below to get the latest on Coops in your newsfeed each and every day. If you're looking for a second listen of the day, let me recommend Locked On College Basketball. Andy and Isaac do a great job with that show. It is all college basketball all the time. It's a national daily basketball show, college basketball show. And they're covering March Madness as well, if not better than anyone in America. So make sure, make sure you go check that out. Locked On Coops is a proud member of the Locked On Podcast Network. That means your team every day. Go Cougs.